27. Neo-Malthusians by Juan Martinez Allier. Authors known as Neo-Malthusians, and among them Stanford ecology professor Paul Ehrlich, raised in the 1960s and 1970s a strident alarm on population growth. In fact, the alarm was justified because human population increased in the 20th century from 1.5 billion to 6 billion. In the 2010s, world population reached 7 billion, but fertility, the number of children per woman, is now decreasing fast in many countries, and it is persistently below 2 in many other countries. World population will probably reach a maximum at about 8.5 or 9 billion by 2050, and will then decline slightly. Not only rural depopulation will take place, there will also be urban depopulation in some countries. Ehrlich, who published the population bomb in 1968, acknowledged that overpopulation was only one of the factors in environmental degradation. He introduced a well-known equation, I equals the function of P, A and T, meaning that environmental impact for instance, increased production of greenhouse gases, changing the composition of the atmosphere, depended on the size of the population, of its income per capita, affluence, and on the, and on the technologies used. Population indeed remained one important factor. The degrowth movement has rarely discussed population growth. On the whole, while it adopts a position contrary to population growth, it puts more emphasis on social inequality in consumption per capita. This is common to other currents on the left. The degrowthers dislike, in general, the top-down population policies and the restriction to migration that Neo-Malthusians, such as Paul Ehrlich, and even more Garrett Hardin preached in the 1960s and 1970s. They dislike forced sterilizations and also the Chinese policy of one child per family imposed by the state. But the degrowthers, as opposed to Marxists, worry or should worry about population. True, Malthus in his essay on the principle of population of 1798 took a pessimistic view on the growth of agricultural production. He believed in the existence of decreasing returns to the labor input. Population growth would make more people available to work in agriculture, but the production would increase less than proportionally. Hence, the final outcome would be a crisis of lack of food. The Marxists disliked Malthus because Malthus believed in decreasing returns and even more because he implied that improving the economic situation of the poor was useless because any improvement would result in increased fertility. He was truly a reactionary. Marxists also disliked Malthus' emphasis on crises of subsistence when Marx explained crises as due to excessive investment compared to the purchasing power of the exploited proletariat. Population growth for Marxists is driven by the need of capitalism for cheap labor and, as Engels noted, in a non-capitalist social formation, population could be much better controlled. The degrowthers know all such arguments, and although they also dislike Malthus' reactionary politics, they think nevertheless that Malthus had a point and that population cannot grow without checks. 
degrowthers take issue with optimistic economists who assume that human population growth is no major threat to the natural environment. Such economists are in favor of population growth, pointing out that productivity per hectare and even more per hour of work could increase with technical progress. Indeed, Esther Boserup, in her 1965 book The Conditions of Agricultural Growth, explained that population growth led to increased production, turning the tables on Malthus, because it allows more intensive systems of production with shorter rotations, from itinerant agriculture to irrigated double cropping. However, this might apply to remote periods of human economic history, but since the mid-19th century in Europe, agriculture has increasingly relied on imported fertilizers like guano and later factory-made fertilizers. The modern food system is very intensive in fossil fuel energy. It can be argued that there is no increase in productivity of agriculture from an ecological economic point of view. The degrowthers are the inheritors not of Malthus himself, but of the radical feminist neo-Malthusians of 1900 in Europe and the United States, who were in favor of conscious procreation. Poor women and men were deemed capable of voluntary, conscious procreation. This was a feminist and proto-environmental movement. Instead, today's neo-Malthusianism of the rich considers the larger reproductive rate among the world's poor as a threat to their own environment through migration. In Hardin's case, this developed into a so-called lifeboat ethics. Hence, the need for top-down population policies. Instead, the Neo-Malthusianism of 1900 was not a doctrine imposing population policies from above. The degrowthers feel close to the bottom-up feminist Neo-Malthusians and do not share the views of the optimistic economists regarding population growth. They make fun of the argument that in order to pay pensions to old people, there is a need for more and more employed young people who will in due course become pensioners in a kind of demographic Ponzi pyramid. The Neo-Malthusian anarcho-feminists preached women's freedom to choose the number of children they wanted to have. Many of them were explicitly concerned about environmental issues and they asked themselves how many people the earth could feed sustainably. This successful international social movement with leaders such as Emma Goldman and Margaret Sanger in the United States and Paul Robin in France called itself deliberately Neo-Malthusian, but in contrast to Malthus, it believed that population growth could be stopped among the poor classes by voluntary decisions. Birth control, including voluntary vasectomies, was recommended. This Neo-Malthusian movement did not appeal to the state to impose restrictions on population growth. On the contrary, it was based on bottom-up activism, based on women's freedom, the avoidance of the downward pressure of ex excessive population on wages, and the threat to the environment and human subsistence. An excess of population was foreseen, and this led to anticipatory ideas and behavior. In France and elsewhere, Neo-Malthusians challenged the political and religious authorities of the time through the idea of a womb strike, la grève de ventre, and also through anti-militarism 
and anti-capitalism. Controlling population voluntarily was a refusal to provide capitalism with the cheap labor of the reserve army of workers. Outside Europe and the United States, the movement was active in Argentina, Uruguay and Cuba. In Brazil, in 1932, Maria Lacerda de Moura wrote a book entitled Love One Another and Do Not Multiply. In South India, E. K. Ramaswamy Peria formed the self-respect movement in 1926. He developed a political philosophy against caste and in favor of freedom for women. He preached birth control, arguing against Hindu religious notions of purity of blood and consequent control over women's sexuality. Sixty years later, when attempting to explain the low birth rate in Tamil Nadu, demographers noticed that education levels for women have been low compared to Kerala and poverty is high so that perhaps the political will and the social reform movements initiated by Peria played a role in the demographic transition. When Françoise Daubonne, 1974, introduced the word ecofeminism, she was active as a late-day militant of this radical neo-Malthusian current, still fighting at the time for the right to abortion and also for sexual freedom not only for women, which had advanced very much already, but also for homosexuals who were still criminalized in Europe at the time. To conclude, there have been different varieties of Malthusianism and Neo-Malthusianism in the last 200 years. According to Malthus, human populations would grow exponentially unless checked by war and pestilence, or by the unlikely restraint of chastity and late marriages. Food would grow less than proportionately to the growth of the labor input because of decreasing returns, hence subsistence crises. The Neo-Malthusians of 1900 believed that human populations could regulate their own growth through contraception. Women's freedom was required for this and it was desirable for its own sake. Poverty was explained by social inequality. Conscious procreation was required in order to prevent low wages and pressure on natural resources. This was a successful bottom-up movement in Europe and America against states, which wanted more soldiers, and against the Catholic Church. The Neo-Malthusians of the 1960s and 1970s appeared because of delayed demographic transitions and the lack of success in the world at large of the Neo-Malthusians of 1900. They preached a top-down doctrine and practice sponsored by international organizations and some governments. Population growth was seen as one main cause of poverty and environmental degradation. Therefore, states must introduce contraceptive methods, even sometimes without the populations, particularly women's, prior consent. For degrowthers, the first and third points are abhorrent but the second point is very close in spirit. The idea of voluntary restriction of procreation, a collective act of self-limitation against the engine of growth, continues to inspire degrowth. Yves Cochet, a long-servicing member of the European Parliament and partisan of degrowth, has proposed a grève du troisième enfant, a strike of the third child. 